Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. In Matthew chapter 7, I want to focus in here on a, as we started this new series called Foundation. Everyone say foundation. foundation. Foundations are vital because a foundation is either the, the, the lowest part of a thing or it's also an underlying principle that something is built on. And in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks about the value of a foundation. Verse 24, it says this. It says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and what? And does them. It's not just hearing the word of God. It's putting it into practice. And many of us are good at hearing, but not many of us are very good at doing. In fact, you could probably even memorize what someone's told you. But God doesn't want us to memorize what he said. He wants us to do what he said. And he says those that put these, puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. Someone say rock. Now notice what happens. The rains came down. We, we've seen what rain can do here in San Jose, right? Our prayers are with those that were displaced and that are still battling with these uh, conditions and it's just so sad that even those that were displaced, people broke into their homes while they were gone and looted these houses and so forth. But when the rains came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Pray with me now. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Foundations are vital, but they're not always visible. In fact, it's very rare that anyone walks up to a building and says, man, that's a beautiful foundation. It's because we always focus in more on the building or the structure than we do on the foundation of a thing. And I was sharing last week that I've gone on several occasions to San Francisco and had the opportunity to speak at the Transamerica building. And it's probably one of the most uh, appealing structures in downtown San Francisco. It looks, they call it the pyramid because of the shape of it. And every time I've gone there, I've seen people stand outside, and especially visitors to the city. And all they do is they stop there and they do this. They just take, they're taking pictures or they do a reverse selfie where they're trying to get the building behind them. Because it's pretty impressive to see the building, but not realizing that if it wasn't for a good foundation, that building wouldn't be possible. And we look at someone's marriage and we think, man, they got a great marriage. Or we look at someone in their career and think, man, that's a great career. Or someone that's succeeding educationally. And we look at what people have done, but we take no time to the foundation they spent in building that's given them the ground to build that good marriage, to have those good finances, to have a great family, or even to have that great career or educational background because they took time to build a foundation that had the ability to sustain a good relationship, a good finances, a good career. Somebody hearing me this morning. Amen. So I want you to see that the principles in the Word of God are our foundation. 
We are, we are to build our lives off of the principles in the word of God. And my question to you last week was this, is what are you building your life on? What's your life being built on? Because whatever you are building your life on better have the ability to heal you when you're sick, to restore your marriage when it's broken, to bring hope when you're down, and to bring peace when you're broken. Anything else won't have the ability, anything else you build your life on, money, career, personality, all those things are nothing unless they have the ability to heal you, to restore you, and to pick you up. Jesus came to restore our foundation. Why? Because when Adam fell, Adam destroyed mankind's foundation. Say it again, Pastor. When Adam fell, Adam destroyed mankind's foundation. And so as a result, Jesus came to restore that foundation. And he does so in Matthew chapter 6. Now, how many of you... uh, have these cards here when we were walking in, the ushers were handing them out. Did, did anyone not get one of these? Raise your hands. We'll have some ushers come by, and, and uh, we have, if we're running short on them, we'll make sure we have more next, next week. But these prayer cards right here will help you and give you a pattern, not just for praying, but a pattern for living as well. We, years ago, we did a series called LDP, uh, Life Development Plan, and Pastor Matt did an incredible video of, of that. Instead of you down with OPP, it was down, you down with LDP. And uh, it was, uh, <laughs> that's still one of the best videos we've ever done here at the church. We got to do a, uh, a reprive of that. I think ne- next week we'll bring out the, the, the video and show uh, Troy doing his little, his little number there. But we find that when Jesus gave us a pattern to pray, Jesus wasn't just giving us how to pray. He was giving us how to live as well. Somebody say Amen. So read with me here in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 9. It says this. This then is how you should pray. Now, doesn't that mean that Jesus is expecting us to pray? Right? Prayer is vital. Prayer is a foundation. And so if you get the foundation wrong, everything else is going to fall apart. Prayer has to be part of our foundation. Say it again, Pastor. Prayer has to be part of our foundation. Jesus is saying that when you pray, this is how you're supposed to do so. And he says this, our, read this with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Today, I want to lay the first part of this foundation. Is that Jesus, number one, expected us to pray. Because prayer is communication and communion with God. And God wants to not only talk to you, but he wants to have communion with you. And our first introduction that God gives to us, that Jesus gives to us of God in the New Testament, is of a father. Just let me borrow your Bible, sister. It's a big, it's a big, oh dang, girl. It's like a filing cabinet in here. Good Lord. We got PG&E bill in here. We got, we got, good Lord. Dang, this Bible has gone through some stuff, girl. That's why you're, they say the bio, a person that has a Bible that's fallen apart is usually owned by a person whose life is together. But when you take this word right here from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Malachi in the Old Testament, 
you will find various names given and ascribed to God. Elohim, creator. Yahweh, holy one. Uh, Jehovah, the God that makes covenant with us. Adonai, Lord. All these names that describe who God is. But when Jesus gives us our first introduction of God in the New Testament, it's not Elohim, it's not El Shaddai, it's not El Elyon, it's not Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Zikkanu. The first name that we are introduced to God in the New Testament is what? Father. Why? That proves to me that God was not concerned about starting a religion. He's concerned about starting a family. Jesus came because he wanted us to start a family, not a religion. Because religion is about do's and don'ts. And when I married my wife, it was, I didn't marry her because of a list of do's and don'ts. Okay, now that I'm married, I can't do this. I have to do this. I get to do this, but I can't do that. It wasn't a list of do's and don'ts. I married her because I loved her, and I wanted to spend my life with her. And as a result of that, it was I chose to love her, which meant I chose to say no to everyone else. I don't have to. I chose to. Motivated out of love. Not responsibility. And many of us are serving God like taking medicine. We're looking at things that I have to do. I have to go to church. I have to give. I have to worship. I, I have to get up early. I have to, I got to stop clubbing. I got to stop sleeping around. I got to stop drinking. And we start looking at all the list of the do's and don'ts. Listen, it's not what I have to give up. It's what I get when I say yes to Jesus. When Adam fell, we lost our father. We lost the family. The family split. There was a divorce that took place when Adam and Eve sinned. And as a result, we ended up as orphans. But I want you to understand that although Adam's fall left us fatherless, I want you to see what Romans chapter 8 says. Because Romans chapter 8 verse 15 gives us hope. It says this, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. I'm not a slave today. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he, when he, now, now, I want you to notice something about it. I always wondered this. Why don't you just say that you birthed us? Born again, you know, that, that we just became part of that we were born. He did that the first time. But now he says adopting. Now, one of the great things, you have a kid. How many parents are in the house? Come on, by, by hand clap, how many parents are in the house? How many of you like your kid? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, how many of you? <laughs> One of the things about having kids is that it's not like when, when, you go to the, when you go to the hospital and you have the baby, it's not like, can I trade this one for that one? Right? You, you get what you, this one's yours. And so all the issues are yours as well. But one of the great things about adoption, adoption isn't based on chance. That parent has looked for a child. And not only did they look at them, they observed them. They even got to take them home for a test run. They got to hang out with them. And they had the, they had the choice to say yes or 
They have the ability to find out whether we're compatible. They have the ability to find out, do I like their personality? The great thing about adoption is that the adopter is the one that chooses the child. It doesn't happen by chance. I want every one of you to grab a hold of this this morning. This is so powerful and so important that God has given us a spirit of adoption. He adopted you as his own child. In other words, God chose you. God chose you. He wasn't stuck with you. He picked you. Out of all of them, he said, that one. That's right, Sister Sandra, you. I don't know about y'all, but I was chosen. Oh, you, you got to start getting that at it. God chose me. He wasn't stuck with me. He chose me. Some of y'all need to start walking around with a little, a little understanding that you've been chosen. That God chose you. God, God picked you out. He said, that one. And that one. And that one. And don't get jealous. Just, you, you're, you might not be the only one that was chosen. But you were chosen. Come on, somebody. And he says this. Our Father. Everyone say, Our Father. You notice this about the Lord's Prayer. You will not find me, I, or mine in the Lord's Prayer. But you will find us, ours, and we. It's not about you. He says, our Father, family. Not my family, our family. Inclusive to everyone, race, creed, every, our Father. Now notice... That, there was a revolutionary statement here because, David, you need to understand this. Jesus was killed for calling God Father. In the Jewish culture, it was about religion. And you had to approach God a certain way in the Old Testament. Then Jesus shows up and says, listen, he's your daddy. The Jews are like, what? Oh, he's, he's, he's Elohim. He's El Shaddai. He's El Elyon. He's, he's God Almighty. You don't call him. How, how dare you act like you can have a relationship with God? And Jesus was like, that's why I came. So we could get that relationship back again. See, Jesus was killed because of that. Out of all the names Jesus could have used, he uses father. Everyone say father. father. See, that word father in, in the Greek is, uh, it, it means originator. It literally comes as the generator or propagator. It's, it's the start of something. Whereas in the Aramaic, it is Abba. Everyone say Abba. Abba. In fact, if you go to, to, to Israel, you will hear, you'll, you'll hear children speak to their fathers and call them Baba. And they refer to them as Abba. That, that's that's a, another word of saying daddy. When my kids come to me, they don't say Father. Now, there, there are times that they have said that. I take, take that back. But they, they come to me, and they, they, when they were babies, it was always daddy. Uppy daddy. And I, I remember when they, were, when they were small, they would always come up, and it was always uppy daddy, uppy. Or tito daddy. They couldn't say besito. So they, especially Jessie. Jessie would grab my face, and I would ignore her on purpose. 
I would turn away, and she would grab my face, and she would pull it back, and she goes, Daddy Tito, Daddy, Daddy Tito, and she would try to kiss me, and I would, I would move my, because I love when she pursued me. I love when I, I, would, I would turn away a little, and she would pull me back again, and, she would, and I'd, I'd turn my eyes on, on her, and so I'd just look, look away. And she's like, Daddy, and wherever I was looking, she was trying to get my eyes to focus in on her. And when we would lock eyes in, she would just give me a big smooch. She would go, Daddy Tito, because she, she wanted her daddy. I need you to understand that you have a daddy that loves you. You have a daddy that wants you to pursue him as well. Now, now follow me on this, okay? A father was responsible to produce, to provide, and to protect. Produce, provide, and to protect. And the moment I said father, many of you have been disengaged. Because the name father has been given a bad connotation in today's society. Because of what dads have done. Because of what we as fathers have done to our kids. We got men out there having sex that are producing kids and they're deadbeat dads. They're absentee dads. They're fathers that are abusive. They're absent. They're neglecting, self-centered. They're, they're, they're fathers. They're, they're children that haven't even grown up themselves. And so as a result, they become, instead, instead of being a, a source of, of, of protection and provision and, and support, they become the source of pain, hurt, and fear. And instead of us being fathers that protect and provide for our kids, we've ended up with a nation filled with fathers that have hurt, that have brought pain, that have brought fear over their children. And that's not the way a father was supposed to be. See, I need you to grab a hold of this. Listen very carefully. If you're a dad, let me let you know how important your role is. Satan has attacked the role of a father because if he could destroy the role of a father, he could destroy our ability to reach out to the father. Because if I can't trust my earthly father, then I cannot trust my heavenly father. So when I have a need, I'm not going to run to my heavenly father because of what my earthly father did. Come on. Because when we take a look... Satan recognized if I destroy the father, I could remove the provision, the protection, and the identity of that individual. If I attack the role of the father, see, I want you to recognize this. Grab a hold of this. Everyone needs to pay attention right now. Do you recognize that Satan left Adam alone until he got married? Let me try this side. Satan didn't mess with Adam until he got a wife. And why is that important? Because the moment he had a wife, now they could have a family. They could procreate. And the number one thing Satan is afraid of is a healthy family. Why? Because a healthy family is a picture of what God had in mind. Adam and Eve were to have a family, and then they were to reproduce and then send that family out upon the world to recreate the Garden of Eden throughout the world. But what Satan did is he attacked Adam to where Adam became fatherless, and they couldn't carry out God's plan. That's why, fathers, listen, your job doesn't end with conception. I gave him my seed. I'm done. Your, your job is just beginning. L- listen, listen to me carefully. Our negative view of a father has caused many to run away from God instead of running to him. 
But I got, I got news for every one of you. God is a good father. Let me say that again. God is a good father. God is a good father. You need to say that to yourself. God is a good father. Regardless of how your earthly father was, God is a good father. God is a provider. How do I know that? That Because when Jesus shows up, he tells us to look at God as father. Why? Because God wanted a family. And you're part of that family today. Now, we might be a dysfunctional family, but we're a family. You might got some issues, but we're a family. We might get into some arguments, but we're a family. You might get mad at me, but we're a family. I need you to understand something. Regardless of our dysfunction, we are still a family, and God is our father. So the problem is this. In everyone in here right now, we got daddy issues. We got daddy issues. Because let's be honest, us as fathers, we've jacked some stuff up. Men, the Adams, we've jacked stuff up. We blew it. We've messed up. And Adam's fall left us fatherless, but what a father does is the father produces identity. Everyone say identity. I want you to see this real quick. We're going to close in a moment, but I want you to stay with me. Genesis chapter 35, Rachel, uh, Jacob's wife, is about to give birth. And as she's giving birth to her son, she dies, she's about to die because of complications in childbirth. And she looks at her child, and her last words, she names her son Benoni. Benoni meant son of my sorrow. Man, can you imagine going through life? Every time that little boy is called, Benoni, come here. Son of my sorrow, come here. That's jacked up. Right? Got it. You got to think about it. Every time, Benoni, come here. That, that child throughout his life is going to be identified as the one who ended up killing his mother. So throughout his life, Benoni, come here. And we've done that to kids. We've labeled them and we've given them a label that you'll never amount to anything. You'll never accomplish anything. You'll never be this. You'll never be that. You'll never be successful. You'll never be free. And we've labeled our kids and we've given them names that have destroyed them. Jacob went through life with the name of deceiver. And he knew how it was and he refused to allow his son to go through that same problem. And he stops and he says this. No, he, my, my son's not going to be named Ben-Onai. I love you, babe, but I'm, you're, you're, you're dying right now. That may be your final wish. That might be your final, your final declaration. But as the father, come on, someone say father. father. As the father, the father gives identity, not the mother. The father was the one that ascribed identity. She gave the name to the child. See, what Rachel was doing, she was speaking out of her hurt. She was speaking out of her pain. She was trying to take a step and act in a, in a role that she had no responsibility to act in. And so he steps in. Even in that moment, it might have offended her, but he steps in and says this. No, my son will not be called Ben-Onai. His name will be Benjamin, son of my right hand, son of authority, son of power. Son of influence. So he changes his name. He gives him a new identity. See, I want you to understand something. That more than any other role, Satan has tried to attack the role of a father. Because a father not only gives identity, a father provides as well. 
So I want you to know that, that, listen, there's a theology going around that the more poor you are, the more holy you are. Now, now let me flip this at the same time. Stay with me, okay? There's also that theology of name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it. Okay? Where, where it's all about the dollar. That's not, that's not it. There's a... There, there's a there's extremes on both sides. You tell how good a father is by how their kids are taken care of. You can tell how good a father is by how well the family's taken care of. Right? So if you're always broke and you ain't got nothing and you claim to be a child of God, you got that sister that, you know, stands up and says, you know, my, my PG&E was going to get shut down. I needed $300 to pay my PG&E, and, you know, Lord, Lord provided that $300. Church claps. Everyone gets excited for her. Three years later, my PG&E was going to get turned off. I owed $400, and the Lord came through, and everyone claps again. Three years later, she's still in the same condition. I don't look at that as a blessing. I look at that somewhere along the way, someone's, the father's not taking care of that person. E- either God's not a good provider, or we're not connected to the father. Because he says, I will supply all, someone say all, all. your needs. According to my glorious riches through Christ Jesus, everything God says, I'll supply. When we put God first, God says, I'll take care of you. But whenever we put ourselves first, now, now I'm going to take you somewhere on this. Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 says this. You parents, if you ask your children for a, or, or if your children ask for a loaf of bread and you give them a stone instead, or if they ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those that ask? Let me tell you something. God wants to provide for you. Why? Because he's a good dad. He says this in Matthew 6, 26. Stay with me. Look at the birds of the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store in barns, yet for your heavenly father feeds them. Someone say feeds them. Aren't you of more value than them? You're valuable. God chose you. You didn't happen by accident. He chose you. God picked you. He wants to provide for you this morning. I want you to see this. I want you to, as we, as we get ready to close, I want you to grab a hold of this principle right now. As a father, I remember sitting down just recently at, at Thanksgiving with my kids and you know, we, we do the Thanksgiving thing after we feed the homeless and everything. We, we, we're sitting there and everyone stop, talks about what they're thankful for. And the girls start off, you know, oh, I'm thankful that, you know, got a house, got food, so forth. Then the next person, the kids, my kids just kind of joke around with it. They don't really get real serious about it. But this time was different. They were just sharing their hearts and started getting a little choked up as a dad. When it came to my turn, I looked at them and I said, you know what, rather than being thankful, I need to apologize. 
says, as a pastor, I want to have the perfect family. I wanted you guys to be perfect kids. And so I put pressure on you constantly to be perfect. Whenever you stepped out of line, I was there, and I tried to pull you back in, and I had to realize I wasn't your pastor, I was your father. And I apologized to my girls, and I told them, how can I expect you guys to be perfect kids when you don't have a perfect dad? I got my own issues. My girls are sitting there in tears coming down their face and just crying. My bottom lip is quivering. And we're just sitting there and getting ready to have Thanksgiving dinner, not even feeling like eating because there's snot flying all over the place. <laughs> just crying. And I want you to know that as a father, it's my responsibility to give identity to my kids. I give them not only inheritance, but I give them identity. I give them my name. When God chose you, someone to say chose me. God gave you his name. You are Dan, Jehovah Jireh. Dan, Jehovah Shalom. What, what, what am I talking about? God says this. When you pray, our Father which art in heaven, so we thank God for a relationship with him. You have, you have a heavenly Father that loves you. Then he says this, hallow the names of God. In other words, recognize how holy God's names are. Acknowledge them. And if you take a look at what, what you have here, I want you to see the names of God. These are just a few of them, okay? These are the benefits of being. Now, I, I tell my, my kids, if you're a Vera, Last name's Vera, Dan Vera. If you're a Vera, there's certain things Veras do. Certain things we're expected of, a, of a, if you're going to carry that name. I love what uh, Dr. Huddleston said about his grandfather when he got in trouble. And he was sitting behind the glass after getting arrested for, for, for murder. Dr. Huddleston said that his grandfather, who was a sheriff at the time, came over, picked up the little phone, and as they're sitting across from each other, he said, Boy, that's my last name you're carrying. Huddleston is my name. Either change your ways or change your last name. Because the name Huddleston means something. God's name means something. And these names aren't just who God, what God does, it's who God is. And so when you pray, you have the ability, I should have brought my glasses, Lord help me. You are my God, my scene. Jehovah Zikanu, my God, my righteousness. You are Jehovah Kadesh, the God that sanctifies. You are Jehovah Shalom, the God that is my peace. Jehovah Shammah, the ever-present God. You are Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. Jehovah Nisi, my God, my banner, my altar. You are Jehovah Ra, you are my shepherd. Every one of these names means something. That when I call upon God, these aren't what God does. It's who he is. Which means this, that if you are Jehovah Nisi, you are my banner, my altar. Anyone have an umbrella here today? Any umbrellas around? No? Yeah? I see people reaching. Okay. Whoa. Brother. I'm going to kill a brother. 
I want you to see something about this umbrella right here, okay? Jehovah Nisi, my banner, my covering. But that covering does no good if I'm not under it. You can't, what's wrong with you? You don't work. I can't get mad at the umbrella if I'm not in the right position. I got to position myself under Nisi in order to receive the benefits of Nisi. And we get mad at God because we're not getting the benefits of who God is. It's because you have not positioned yourself under the covering of God when I cover. That's why we have Nisi number one on the screen. Because when I get under the covering, then I have healing, provision, peace, breakthrough, whatever I need when I'm under the covering. To Jehovah is. To God is. We get mad at God because we're not getting the benefits of who God is. You can't get mad at God. You got to get under the covering. Thank you. He's your banner, your shepherd, your righteousness, sanctification, your peace. you, You need something. Whatever I need, you know what, we've never been without. There's times we've been tight, don't get me wrong. There's times we've been tight, but God has never let us down. Never let us down. Because when I stay under the covering, I get the provision of that covering. I want to challenge you this morning. As we close, I want you to make peace with your father. Some of you here right now, every time we say father, it causes a cringe in your spirit because your dad wasn't who he was supposed to be. He caused pain, hurt, and fear instead of hope, protection, and identity. Listen very closely. As a father, and as the father of CWC here in the Bay Area, for a moment, would you hear your father's voice as I speak? even if it causes you to cringe? And would you hear your father's voice today if he brought pain to your life and allow me to stand in the gap as your father this morning and apologize and say, forgive me. Forgive me for the pain that we caused you. Forgive me for the damage that we brought to you. Forgive me for doing things that I should have never done to you. Forgive me for letting you down. For not being there the when you needed me. Forgive me for not being a good example of who God is. And for causing you to look at fear towards God. Forgive me for not manning up and being who I needed to be for you. And causing hurt instead of hope. Son, daughter, I'm sorry. I couldn't provide for you because I couldn't even provide for myself. But don't let my failures as a father hold you back from receiving the love of the Heavenly Father today. I'm flawed. He's not. So forgive me. 
By not only forgiving me, you set yourself free to receive the love of God in new measure. Let me no longer be a barrier to your life. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.